there, Soul Fam. Welcome back to the Even Though Podcast. I'm your host, Coach P, or as some may know me, plain old Patricia. I'm super excited because I am here today for episode five with another guest. This guest is my EFT twinsy from my EFT community. She's, uh, you know, certified through the CCF as a coach as well as being certified and accredited as an advanced EFT practitioner and emotional success coach, just like me, um, who also practices uh, conscious EFT, which uh, she was trained through Nefty, also like me. And I like could not be happier to have her here today for a couple of reasons. One, truly deep down inside, I believe she's my spirit animal. Um, she definitely grounds me, her energy. There's, you know, when there's a certain kind of familiarity, um, from one firecracker to the other. (laughs) So, you know, without any further ado, please welcome my guest today, the one, the only Candace Fox. Let's jump into it. I need to know, Candace, what's your even though statement? Oh, you know, okay. Even though life is a shit show some days, I'm going to change mine up. I sent you one. I'm going to change it up because I feel compelled to, to acknowledge the laughter. Even though your Tuesday can be a shit show Monday. So my Tuesday's dressed up as a shit show Monday. You can always have laughter. You can find something in your day to giggle about. Well, absolutely. And I think when you're Candace Fox, you bring that to the table. <laughs> just it magically just comes out of you somehow in some sort of half serious, half comedic form. You just make I, the laughs happen. I appreciate it so much. It's unbelievable how much I appreciate it because there are so many instances where whether it's whether it's some of your social media posts or when we're on a call together or you're being my practitioner <laughs> and it's like i needed that i needed the laugh track because that was getting a little intense so i appreciate that that is- you are welcome i think that's you know like people say laughter is is a medicine and i think it it's so true but you have to also be careful like there are times where like people try to like throw in that joke where it's not appropriate or it's just ill-timed um and usually that's me and I know that from experience because like no it wasn't an appropriate time to laugh that we're we're at a funeral we need to respect the dead and not have awkward laughter because you can't handle the situation but that's that's a therapy session um yeah you need to know when to when to drop the punchline there's there's been a few funeral family funerals actually where it's been hysterics so i understand i feel i feel your pain i understand you know i'm there with you so i think that um things are just getting super exciting for you for you <laughs> whether they that you feel excited about them or not i'm excited for you <laughs> watching you from the sidelines and all the things that you're doing I am so so excited for you because it it, you just seem to be flourishing and I'm 
wondering how you ended up in this this role or this industry or this field, however you want to yeah. phrase it, and also how, what it started off with and what it's evolving to, because that for yeah. me is super interesting. We need a picture that goes on the screen, how it started versus how it's going. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would, for my perspective of that photo would probably be a little bit different than maybe others from the outside looking in. Right. Um, you know what, like, when I think about the progress, so I always say, um, well, first I'll, I'll just preface this by saying like, yes, I'm an EFT practitioner. Um, you know, Patricia, obviously you and I know each other very well going through harness and, and, um, the advanced program with Nefty, but yeah, moving from like being in the business world and you can attest to this cause you've had experience in that being in the business world, um, and sort of grappling with like not being fulfilled, um, always hitting burnout mm -hmm. for me, I had some mental health issues as well. I'd, I was struggling with an eating disorder. And so when I exited my life to go to Costa Rica by myself um, at, you know, like in my late twenties, not really telling anyone exactly what I was doing. And let me just say, like, I remember getting into oh, where I, I can't remember where I, maybe it was San Jose airport in, in Costa Rica. And then like being in it, in a cab for an hour, not knowing if this cab driver was like taking me to like my final resting place, or if I was actually going to like go to the eco community, you know, because like you don't speak the language and then someone just throws you in a cab and you're like, good Lord. Like, I don't know how long this cab drive is going to be. So an hour later, I finally make it. I'm like kissing the ground as I get out of the cab. I like think I tipped him extra. Cause I'm just like, thank you for not murdering me. I really appreciate that. Oh. Um, and, you know, when you, when you need to exit your life in such a big way, like I had gone to um, an eating disorder inpatient clinic um, for three months, which I, you know, lovingly call rehab because it just sounds way more rebellious and like badass than inpatient treatment center. So when you have to do that you, and you're at sort of your, your wits end or you like, you kind of feel like this might be it for me. And like, I'm sort of dancing on that like that line of, you know, having a non-sustainable lifestyle, like my actions and my behaviors and my, you know, everything that I was doing was just not sustainable. And the universe will answer your call. If you're like, I don't know what else to do. Like for me, traditional therapies just were not working. I had seen so many therapists in Saskatoon. I had, you know, it was like a revolving door for me. So when I traveled to Costa Rica and stayed in Pachamama, for a month and I was in this very eclectic unique group with all these people and these <clears throat> two instructors who are married were from I think like the Netherlands or maybe Denmark or something and they showed us they didn't call it EFT they called it acupressure tapping um, and immediately I just wow. felt so calm and it was a tool that I sort of you know grabbed onto we did some other crazy things like I remember um we had to like meditate and figure out who our, you know, spiritual animal was. And then we had to like play out that animal. And I'm a fairly conservative person. Like this was my first time kind of going to a hippy dippy woo woo, no offense to Pachamama. So, you know, I'm still a little bit in like my 
kind of looking around and I think I was like you know maybe like it was a cat and I'm like (laughs) and they're like get into it feel it and I was like you know like I was just like (laughs) like I don't know if I can do this if I can like some people were totally into it like monkeys giraffes elephants I think I was like doing this weird like licking my hand and like rubbing that on my face like a cat would it was just like I was like I'm not having this so I picked up the things that I knew I could take back to me here in Canada the whole animal spirit thing maybe I'd be more into that now that I've you know had more experience in that stuff but at the time when you're like you know used to sitting in an office with office people and the nine to five so telling yourself to like crawl on the floor like an animal it just didn't seem I didn't yeah I feel you I I mean coming from corporate Canada like working in banks where you're in a suit and your hair is pulled back and you're right prim and proper and you're dealing with doctors and lawyers and all the other things when you're working downtown and I can just picture myself in the middle of a branch acting out a cat scenario (laughs) you know like that's where my head would go (laughs) yeah I was just not everyone else was really into it I felt like I was a little restrained now I might be a little bit more free-flowing but yeah in that moment I'm like where am I what am I doing what have I done why did I do this to myself (laughs) I love it I love it so this was like the first this was your first trip this was your first introduction to like EFT yeah, this was my first sort of, this is like my eat, pray, love trip. I think, you know, we, everyone goes on vacation, you go to Vegas, you go touring Europe, but this was like a spiritual endeavor. So yeah. So I always joke like EFT found me. I didn't, I was definitely in search of something. I didn't know what that was. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I sort of took that tool home with me. Things didn't, you know, things didn't shift for me overnight. I think that was 2013, 2014. Things didn't like magically, you know, as we tell our clients, things didn't magically just get better. It was just, you know, my response to things changed. I had a tool that I could rely on. And, you know, honestly, slowly but surely, um, my world did sort of change. It erupted first, like it erupted in a big way. And I think I consciously unraveled my life, whereas previously I'd feel like, you know, I was being like, whooshed in the waves and sort of, you know, taken by the undercurrents. Right. You know, after I came home, like really not great things happened in my personal and professional life. But I think um, just internally, I was in a lot more of a calm space to handle that stuff. Wow. I, I always appreciate your, your way, your, the way that you're able to put into words a lot of things that go through my own brain mm. and it's um I feel you so deeply and to to think about going back to that time my gosh if if I had been introduced into something similar to EFT whether it was exactly how we practice now or not in in that time oh my gosh what could have been different how this could right. have, you know how it could have been different now but I totally understand and resonate so deeply with like the, I unraveled my own life. Cause it's exactly, it was like, it's been a 10 year process yeah. for me at least. Cause my, it kind of all happened when my youngest was just after my, when I found out I was pregnant for my youngest, cause he was a surprise. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, 
love him to death. I'm so happy he's here. He's part of my transformation, of course, but it's, that's kind of when it all started. There was a little Mm. bit more of something's got to give desperately searching, trying everything, you know, 57 million different crystals are in my house and I, you know, incense are going all day long. I'm doing yoga eight days a week. I'm, (laughs) you know, all of the things, all of the things and doing it like with white knuckled, holding on to everything in your life. So when you say that in that exact way, it was like, I, I guess that's kind of what I did too. It's like, I consciously unraveled my, like it, I did it in a way where it's like, I had to do it very delicately. I was still a mother of three. I still had to yeah. have my wits about, yeah. you know, yeah. about life. And I, there were some really dark moments. There was moments of being locked in the bathroom with, you know, a bottle of wine. Yeah. But now there's here. Yeah. And I couldn't be more grateful for looking back and saying, oh, yeah, I remember that day. I remember that day. Oh yeah. You know, the, the bubble bath and the bottle of wine with no glass, you know, like I, I remember that day and everything that went through, you know, my head and everything that I had to process to just get here. So when I hear, and also the reason for this podcast was there really is something I find that's so meaningful about connection, even if I'm not a professional at anything, I can connect to your story, just like other people can, can connect to other guests that I have on here, even if it's not something, you know, to do with me. Um, And I think we all, like, we all have one thing in common, like we've all, every human being, even if you've been handed a silver spoon, you've all, you've all struggled, everyone has struggled, Mm -hmm. like, um, we've all felt pain. We've all tried to avoid pain. Um, and so I think, although the scenarios and the situations are different and obviously the people and the stories are, um, we can still connect through those stories because the underlying, I guess, um, connection between all of us is we all have emotions and we all experience things and emote to them and react to them. Yeah. Yeah, I one of my favorite uh, sayings to this day, it was from a TED talk. I will find it. I always forget the girl's name. Um, but the the quote was hard is hard. It doesn't mm, matter what yeah. your heart is. Hard yeah. is hard. It, you know, and her story was about coming out to her parents, which is a difficult thing. You know, yeah. I don't know how I would do that to my parents if I ever had to. Um, but the, the point was, even though she had a great childhood, you yes. know, and no yeah. major T traumas, this was the hardest thing to do in her life. Yeah. So, you know, it could be that you're, I don't know, missing limbs or, or you've had a really rough, rough, rough childhood or whatever the case may be. You can, we can go on forever with the list of all the bad things that could have happened. Hard is hard. Yeah. Hard and is hard. So, yeah. And our nervous systems are not all created equal like what is hard for or you know and again you can attest to this you have three boys three boys they will all have experienced you differently in different situations and the sensitivity levels of their nervous systems are different um and so and and just perspective and like how they view things and and so 
you know, for a parent who has multiple kids, the experience of them as a parent is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. They're, they're going to be small traumas with one. Other, another one will be like, that was nothing to me. Like that didn't right. phase me at all. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, I definitely, I think throughout my life in kind of going through the whole motherhood and parenting um, story that I tell myself, there's always the sense of guilt of how I was a, be- mm. I'm a better mother now than I was in the very beginning. And, you know, there's this part of you that like, oh, like my oldest son really missed out on the parent that he could have had. There's so many things that I've worked yeah. through over just that topic right there. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's part of his story just as much as it's part oh, of mine, yes. right? Where he's a very um, empathetic, he, he's, mm. I mean, sometimes I, there's that slight judgment where I'm like, you you know, you got to keep a little bit of your energy to yourself, buddy. But, but he is a very empathetic kid and kid, adult, he's 18 now. Yeah very empathetic uh, person and it just to see how they've all grown due to my growth. Yeah. Is and I, I always say like, and I say this even to my mom, like, I don't want your um, like, I don't want your like pity. I don't want your like, you know, like, I don't want you. Are you okay? I don't want your worry. I don't want your concern. What I do want is like your, your trust in me. What I do want is your ability to be like, you know what, these are the things that she's gone through. I know that she can get through this because I, you know, I, as a child, like as an adult child, mind you, you know, if my mom is worried about me, I still feel that I still process that. Um, And so I often say, you know, I don't have kids, but I have worked with parents who have kids that are struggling either with eating disorders or with ADHD or whatnot. And I always say, um, you know, yes, it could go, um, the situation could go poorly, but the stats could also turn to, it could go magically wonderful and your, and your child can get out of this. But the energy that you put forth as a parent impacts the direction that your child is going to go. And if, if your child always feels like, oh, my mom is so worried about me, or, you know, my mom, like, uh, you know, she's, you know what I mean? Like if, if you're always putting that on your child, like that sort of heavy energy, your child might not respond in the best way. If, if your child's like, yeah, my mom believes in me. Um, yeah, she probably is worried about me because all all parents, but you know, she doesn't feel guilt around that. She blah, 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 blah. Um, you might find that their energy is different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can attest to it. I had I was the baby. There's three siblings. I was the mm. baby and I had two yeah. older brothers. So we can all imagine oh, yeah. how fair that upbringing was <laughs> with, yeah. with me being the youngest and the only girl. So that was, that was an interesting one um, in itself. So I totally understand, you know, the pushback yeah. uh, that we can give our parents and just like the pushback that I get from my own kids. Like my, my, two younger ones I mean they're still at that state where you know they believe that mom is right most of the time (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) they're like yeah I think mom's right I'm pretty sure my middle one is definitely about uh kind of um 
claiming his own power right now, which I, mm, yeah, I, I'm seeing it from a completely different set of eyes. Right. So I'm like, I'm seeing it happen Beautiful. and I'm letting it happen. Cause it's like, yeah. it needs to happen. Absolutely. My parents understood at when I was that age, that that's what needs to happen. It would have been yeah, completely well. different. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we can go into the parenting, but that's a whole other podcast episode. So, or multiple. right. <laughs> so, coming from, you know, this hour long trip and yeah, ending up doing some surviving woo woo stuff and figuring out, like, what was the moment that you decided that EFT was going to be like your thing? Okay. So, I, was doing this acupressure tapping and it wasn't the sequence that we do as well. It was a little bit different, but it took me like a very long time. When at this point I was, I was managing a fund development and communications department for a nonprofit. And because I was, you know, pretty young, I was like, I need some coaching. Um, I need some coaching skills. So I took this, this weekend course and I was just like tapping on my collar point, my, my K 27 points. And the gentleman um, whose name was Abe said, oh, are you an EFT practitioner? And I was like, mm, I don't even know what that is. And then I looked it up afterwards and it was tapping, you know, it was right. what I knew as just acupressure tapping. And so I was like, oh my goodness. And literally within 24 hours, I was signed up for Nancy's course and had purchased my tickets to the first discover that I went crazy. Um, and I feel like I just sort of got suctioned in from that point on. Um, and I still, you know, like I still work, I still do freelance stuff. I still do contract work. Um, but I feel more and more sort of guided and pulled in this direction. But, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, as anyone knows, it takes a while for you to sort of feel that, um, or to sort of trust yourself enough to make, make that big dive and go in that direction and sort of leave what's comfortable for me. So I'm in the process of doing that, but yeah, so that was in 2018. So from 2013, 14 to 2018, so like four to five years of me sort of navigating and having this tool and, and sort of thinking it was like secret and sort of weird mm -hmm. that no one else knows about this and then to see like there's a whole industry of energy psychology I was I, like I was a little pained I was like oh people know about like you know I I want to share it but at, at, in that moment I was like oh my god how a, how was I not aware of this and I thought this is my secret Costa Rica magical tool that no one knows you're like the person who but, who got their their magic trick got debunked right? <laughs> to pull that out right exactly <laughs> but I wanted, you know, there was a moment, I'm going to be honest, there was a moment of selfishness where I wanted to be the only, yeah, you know, magician that had the secret tool. But now I'm like, no, everyone needs to have this tool. Yeah, I get I'm not it. Not as selfish as I used to be, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, and I mean, yeah. I know that in the last um, couple of years from me starting you know, as an EFT practitioner to uh, really focusing on building what I'm going to be doing as far as yeah. you know, workshops and my offerings and all that other stuff. What's your, your biggest challenge right now? Um, well, I think so right before our advanced program, I got a diagnosis of being ADHD. Um, and in, in full on Canvas form, I Put that into like a research project. I'm just like, oh well, 
I'm going to pack that away for a little bit. I'm going to put this into a project and then I won't have to, you know, process and feel it. And so I think right now I'm just dealing with a little bit of an energy drain from advanced. And also I'm not the greatest at creating a structure or starting the structure for myself. I'm great at creating structure for other people in their businesses and like seeing their brand and doing all that stuff. But when it comes to me, for me, it's just, it's a difficult process. So I think the hardest part for me right now is just taking that time out to sort of figure out what I want to do, what this is going to look like, what my offerings are going to be. I know what my niche market is. Um, it is neurodivergent individuals, um, people who fall into that neurodiverse category of, you know, ADHD or autism or whatnot. So I have that down and, and I love these group of, I love this group of people because they speak my language, you know, like, there I I can relate to them and I think when you can relate to someone as a practitioner you it you can go a little bit deeper because you sort of understand the background to it and you understand the struggle so um that's not necessarily an issue it's just sort of like how to actualize and manifest what's in my head around what this is going to look like and then actually doing the work um and I'm I'm the biggest procrastinator in terms of my own shit you know like I just finished doing an RFP that I probably don't have time to do (laughs) but um you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this project because that's just things by my schedule completely unbearable so that I don't have to deal with my own shit and do my own work um and so I'm just calling myself out. This podcast should be like Candace calls herself out. Um, you know, so it, it's, I don't like that. you know, I, I see, I see um, the patterns mm-hmm. that I'm going through and I'm acknowledging them and I'm sending them love because I know what they're all about. Um, it's so and- interesting when we can start to do that though. Oh God. Yeah. Like, it's so funny because, so I just worked on this sheet that I'm going to be uploading to like my resource page. And I kind of, I took it from, um, oh my God, Elizabeth something. I can't remember her last name at the moment, but it's called the Critter Catcher or Critic Catcher. Mm. Um, yeah. And it starts with, I was saying to myself. Yeah. Then you put it through what she calls the Rolf filter. So was it realistic? Yeah. But you know, like all the, so it's so interesting when we, when we start to learn how to change that inner dialogue or we see it and we're like, okay, so this is an action that's still happening. And now it's not a matter of, oh, you idiot or, oh, you, whatever bad things that you say to your, you used to say to yourself, I should say. And now it's a matter of, okay, why are you here right now? Yeah. And this constant, like all of a sudden, it's this constant curiosity. Hmm. Walking through the kitchen, making dinner, and I'm slamming things. Hold on a second. What's the problem? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And often enough. Driving the bus today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And often enough, you know, you'll hear a kid be like, mom, you good on your own? Do you need some time or do you need some help? (laughs) thanks for pointing that out child so so glad you're more conscious than I am yeah exactly at that age you know exactly 
Exactly. I mean, I, I shared this the other day in a funny reel, but it was like my, I come down into the kitchen and a huff and puff and my, you know, I'm like, why are these dishes still here? Why aren't they put away? And my youngest is like, uh, cause you didn't ask. Um, you know? Yeah. You just didn't ask. It's like, remember you said that if I forget things, I can tap to remember them. It's like, Maybe you should try that. So you don't forget other important things. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Thanks. Thanks. I'm going to tap right now so that I say a nice thing to you and smile when I want to do something else, but I love you. So I'm going to just not. <laughs> well, it's like drilling. It's like the tapping became more like drilling. I was surprised that I didn't have holes in my face, but yeah, it, it, it's, I love this. I problem. think, yeah, I, I mean, I think with this tool, especially in, and my research actually showed it, um, the biggest difference for me was my self-talk was, and then I think when, when we were going through harness and um, sort of had more tools around like connecting with our parts and working with our parts, I think that was really monumental for me and sort of changed um, the trajectory of my own healing yeah. and just made my relationship with myself so much more deeper. I and love so that, that parts work. Yeah. And so I thought like, even now, if I can kind of paint a picture, I feel like sort of you know, my more authentic self is sort of sitting in the back and I'm letting this, this part who, you know, needs to be doing, 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 um, and who, you know, gains her self-worth that way and who, um, avoids, you know, doing her own work by doing stuff. I feel like my authentic self is, is watching her and inviting her to do something different, but, you know, she just needs to tire herself out and learn another lesson. So I'm going to let her learn her lesson. It's funny because it's, it's always, you know, they say doctors are the worst patients. Just like oh God. Yeah. Bookkeepers are the worst at keeping their stuff in order. Like yeah. when I was still, oh, yeah. all of my client stuff were yeah. done on time and filed. And I set up the way that, you know, here's a really good system for you to keep in order, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> my stuff's in a pile on the floor behind my chair. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I totally, I am. Uh, yeah. hundred percent that person why couldn't I get my own system put into place? Not sure. I thought that maybe my bookkeeper was going to do it for me. <laughs> Anyhow, you know, so <laughs> how do you, um, I mean, with all of this, cause I find myself, I, I was talking to uh, Candace about this in our last episode. And I'm, I find that I'm just geeking out about everything that's like, you know, neurological studies and compassion studies yeah. and you know watching like all the Gabor Mate things that are out right mm, now yes. um, even like your 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 project that you had uh, put out and you know there's a lot of little tidbits and even with Georgia like the stuff that she put out yeah. with microbiome and EFT and all that stuff and I find myself just dying to soak it all in but I also have to kind of put the brakes on some things and be yeah. like, don't do it all at once. Like calm down, yeah. put it on a calendar, you know, and put it in order on how you feel. You, you don't have to learn it all today. Oh my God. I feel that I signed up for every damn ADHD neurodiversity, like autism, every freaking conference and right. they all happen like bang, bang, bang. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, like I, I still have quite a few stuff to go through. And then Gabor Mate's trauma, um, the trauma or the wisdom of trauma came out. And then I was like, 
my basically put everything in my life on hold. I was like projects, people, everything need to go away because I'm like laser focused on this. So I completely get that. It's like, you want to take, you know, you want to take baby bites and baby steps, but at the same time, like for me and just the way that my brain works, if I become laser focused on something, um, it's very hard to concentrate or do something else because it's just like, my brain is just wants to soak it in. Like it's like a camel in the desert and that hasn't had water in like however long. It's just like, I can't help myself. I just want to drink it all in. Yeah. I, I always, you know, so I guess the, the real question behind it, not only how do you keep yourself learning, but do you have a method? Cause I would love one just to- just so you know, I, I would love a method to kind of organize the the learning experience, or is this just something that we're gonna have to deal with? I love like as soon as you started saying that, like five of my parts were like, nope, nope, we have no method, we have nothing, <laughs> <laughs> we have no structure. That's a problem. Um, not that's a problem. also that's that's you know not true. I have like. I sort of do this in bulk, I would say. I purchase um, courses and classes that I want to do. Um, usually there's like one major one. This past time it was the advanced. Um, previous to that, it was Indigenous Canada's, um, or sorry, the University of Alberta's Indigenous Canada course that I really gobbled up as well. Um, and then, so like there's like the, my big one. And then I have like little things. So like a little conference or a little book. And I usually like gobble up information for a solid like six to eight months. And then I need like a solid break of reading like trashy shit novels, watching Real Housewives of, you know, this, that, and the other thing. 90 Day Fiance. Like I'll go through a month where like I will consume like the lowest grade um, <laughs> like shows and everything else out there. Cause my brain's just like, okay, so we are, really needing to process this in the back end, but in the front end, we need to distract ourselves so that Candace will let us. Process. So yeah, I, I will watch like the most ridiculous of shows, like any, any top chef Canada, any like top chef, anything master chef, right. I have seen it. Um, but I will watch all of that stuff again in like a short period of time, like a month or two months, like binging on all that stuff. And then I'll just go through that cycle again. I wouldn't recommend anyone do this. It's not (laughs) for the faint of heart. (laughs) It's funny because I I find myself going either one way or the other. I think it very much depends on the weather because in the summer, I find myself getting away in a forest somewhere for long periods of time. And of course, in winter, there's like, uh, what show has at least four seasons that I can get this month? So yeah, I totally get that. I needing uh that break after the advanced I definitely (laughs) I definitely needed a break because you know it was a big one on my head I didn't realize what advanced meant right I was in a vegetated state I was like considering like someone putting like a feeding tube in me just so I could lay in bed I was just like oh my god like what has happened to me it was the honestly best experience ever um but super intense and you know I will never be so smug to be like oh I can condense everything into four months even though it's a six-month program yeah no no you can't don't do that 
I wish That's it was 10 us. months because it was like, I wish right? it was like, like our first uh, training longer. <sighs> yeah. You know, so um, moving forward, yeah. I would love to know. Um, I mean, without getting into um, anything that's going to be very, very triggering, but and this is so hard to ask because the state of the world today is kind of a very concerning one. Yeah. And I find myself when I ask the question, what keeps you up at night? Mm, I kind of, yeah. I think I need to rephrase this question because, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the bad things that keep you up at night. Yeah. Like in the, in the sense of I, when I get excited about something, I go into it full force. Yeah. It's like really bad totally. for me because yeah. I lose sleep and I'm just not operating the way I should be. <laughs> yeah. But there's this, this driving force that just needs to, but sometimes I do it in, in a way where it's like, I find out about, you know, with everything that's been going on with like, for example, the indigenous uh, graves that were found, it was like, yeah. I went, I went hog wild looking for every single resource I could find yes. to help. And da, 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 da. so it's like, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it came from a, a bad thing. It, if that makes any sense. So yeah. when I ask the, the phrase, you know, what keeps you up at night? I would like everybody to remember <laughs> everybody who's listening to please tap along. Because tap, yeah. I don't want it to be something that's, um, you know, over the top triggering? Well, first off, the first thing that keeps me up at night is my cat because she licks my face with her grainy tongue. And it's anyone who has a cat and knows what I'm talking about, you know, you cannot get to sleep. And she's now like comfortable enough. We're, we're new cohabitants. She's a new cat in my life. Um, she now feels comfortable enough to like grab my hand or grab my face with her paw. So it's cute, but at the same time, annoying AF but I love her wherever she's sleeping right beside me and hasn't made a noise so I appreciate her probably still feeling really bad about messing up my computer <laughs> anywho um keeping me up at night yeah I went through the same thing to be honest with you and because I you know I work in a community which has a large indigenous population um you know, I've worked for nonprofits who support and provide services for indigenous peoples and, you know, I've worked on Connect R and, um, you know, would consider myself in the Reconciliation Saskatoon group. So that hit hard for me. And much like you, I just dove into documentaries, um, survivor stories, reconciliation school survivor stories. Um, and just really like my heart broke, my heart really yeah. broke with those stories and, and my heart's going to continue to break as we move through Canada and go through each of the provinces, but stuff like that keeps me up. Um, but stuff like that keeps me up because of how other people respond to that. And so, you know, I will oftentimes find myself going down the rabbit hole of conversations on Facebook, um, which is also not healthy you know, because I, I want to defend people or, you know, I, I will call out racist remarks or whatever. Um, and I know that opens me up for criticism and that opens me up for, you know, people saying things to me that, that aren't necessarily the greatest, but 
Um, and you, you know, you know, I'm not necessarily making any big change or difference in the world, but I just, I just can't, I can't stand for that. Mm. Um, I won't stand for people being treated differently because of their size, shape, color, culture, any of that bullshit. I will not stand for it. Um, and so I think for me right now, what keeps me up is finding out productive ways to be an ally because um, I don't necessarily call myself an ally. I just know that like I, w- I want to do more for our you know, LBGTQ2S communities, our you know, Black, Indigenous, people of culture, people of color. And I don't always know what that looks like. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It is. I just, you know, I'm, I think it was last year and I, I'm kind of feeling obviously this year isn't going to be very different, but I didn't really celebrate Canada Day at all. Mm, yeah. And it was one of those things where it's the first time that I've kind of, I, I felt homeless. Like, mm. I, I know it's a weird thing to. Yeah. No, I get it to understand because there was, there was a great pride in, you know, saying I'm Canadian. Yeah. Because we're the nice people, quote unquote, the, the good guys. Right. Um, and I understand that, you know, who we are as a nation right now is not what it was then. I know. I also understand that there's still a lot of work to do. That's oh, yeah. Like yeah. very, um, plain and obvious to see. Um, and there's this part of me that wants to be like, yes, I get there's more work to do, a lot more work to do. But I have hope. Yeah. I have hope more because I see my kids. Yeah. And the first time I started learning about any of this stuff was on a school trip with my kid. We didn't Um, learn these things when we were in school. We learned about the cute little pilgrims with the buckles on their shoes and cornucopias and how nice the natives were, not indigenous or whatever they, they, you know, all the different uh, groups that they finally recognize now, First Nations and all of, and, and Métis and all that. Then it was the native Indians and the pilgrims and the cornucopias and the turkey dinner and the, you know, like that is not how it went, but that's what I learned. That's what I learned. They dressed it up in a story that, you know, just wasn't realistic and didn't exist. And then they dumbed it and then they dumb it down for kids because, um, because, you know, kids aren't real people. They're just, you know, why would they, why should we, um, tell them the truth so that they would grow up making better decisions. Well, Um, great. I think one of the best things that I saw, and I don't know if they're doing this in all the schools across Canada, but on the school trip, they gave, they, they put us into two different groups. Yeah. As the parent uh, supervisor, I was in one of the groups and um, all the A's got this one envelope of cards and all the bees got this other envelope of cards and we had to basically pay I don't know if you ever played war as a kid with cards the person who has the highest card wins yeah and the way that they set these envelopes up was the group a was the indigenous people Mm. and group b were was the king yeah and they set it up so that 
majority of the indigenous cards were higher cards, but it didn't matter because at the very end, the king had the king card and the king won. Mm. So it had this whole group of kids who were completely divided yeah. and they felt it. Yeah. And it's like, this is not fair. Yeah. So I have hope. Yeah. Because they're, I think that the system, the school system is doing a much better job right now than they ever did. I think that the people involved is what makes the difference because we don't have, you know, it isn't as whitewashed as it used to be. It's still very whitewashed, but it isn't as whitewashed as it used to be. And we have a lot more information. So I have hope. I think it needs to speed up a little bit. You know, yes, a hundred percent. I think too, you know, things that we just didn't consider before um, in doing, and and I want to preface this by saying like making sure that you do this in sensitivity and, you know, culturally appropriate, but reaching out to, you know, Indigenous leaders or Métis leaders um, in your communities and, and asking to just to have a conversation, to talk to them, to hear their stories um, and not asking them to teach you but just listening. Yeah. I think people don't consider the power of that. Um, okay. You know, just volunteering um, someplace and, and volunteering in a, a food bank or, or, or someplace where, you know, maybe there is a large indigenous population or group and learning about why they ended up there. Right. Or the story of their people. Um because, yeah, I think to read all of these things, but if you want to have a real connection with the person, if you really want to hear um, what's been happening on the reserves or in the communities locally, you got to go to the people. Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable. And I can tell you that because I've sat in circles where, you know, I'm biting my tongue because I don't want to cry because right. they don't cry. You know, they're not crying. Right. And just the power the power of those leaders and the, you know, like they're here, um, no matter what our government and what settlers have done, they are here. And, and I've had, you know, I've had the honor of being at POWs and um, indigenous gatherings and, and barbecues. And if you want to be in the presence of powerful cultural energy, do yourself a favor and, and go to a sweat or go to a powwow and just experience that. It's the most beautiful thing. And they're the most welcoming, hilarious people. Yeah. Like all of my indigenous friends, all of the indigenous elders that I all talk to, um, they have such a sense of humor um, and such a way about them that is just so, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I would imagine you would have to have some sort of sense of humor to be able to right survive genocide yeah right yeah to jeez anyhow <sighs> I feel like even that is another podcast episode altogether it, yeah a hundred percent I even though it's like it's it's one of those things where it's I have a hard time saying out loud it's like this is so overwhelming yeah because I feel like an ass it's like, yeah, it's overwhelming, but that's what me and my grandmother and my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother and had to deal with. 
And it's like, I know, I know. That's the part that I, it's like, I don't know how. Yeah. You still get up and, you know, live your life and laugh and, and carry on because I don't know. I, I can't say where I would be or wouldn't be, but I, I know that I don't think I would be where I am right now, which is the obvious point. It's the point of the whole thing, obviously. Yeah. So if we can lighten this up just a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll pivot. We'll pivot. <laughs> Candice, I want to know what your biggest winner success is up till today, because we know that there's still more to come. Oh, my biggest success. Well, keeping this cat alive for six months, I would call that or December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah. So keeping this cat alive um, and not, I feel like she doesn't experience any major traumas yet. So I would call that a success. I have three thriving plants in my apartment right now that are not only green, some of them have some cat bite marks on them, but they are thriving. Um, I would say just like being here in this moment with you is a success for me, just knowing sort of my own story and my backstory. I have wonderful people in my life. I'm, despite the shitstorm um, in my 20s and even probably early 30s, I would say that, you know, from that, I have a big heart. I'm, I'm, I'm compassionate. Um, I think that's a success too, because like I said in my, um, my advanced speech, when I wanted to thank myself first and foremost, um, you know, like the odds were stacked against me. Um, if someone w- were to see my file or just to hear my story, um, I think they, you know, the outcome would have been predicted, you know, death. And unfortunately I have friends who, um, did not make it, um, you know, past mm-hmm. their early thirties, given, you know, um, eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental health condition wow. um, in North America. So, yeah, you know, I, I did this work and I don't want it to sound conceited, but I would not be here today if it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. It, you know, and I had lots of help. Yeah, of course. There's guidance. Of course, there's guidance and there's help. But the point is, is that I totally, I 100% agree with you on this because there are moments. And I think anytime to this day, anybody who knows me, and I know that this is a, a familiar thread throughout my podcast episodes or throughout my Instagrams and all of the other stuff that I share is uh, anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is now the head of my corporation? Um, she had a lot to hold down, and there was a that that part of me who realized I I was kind of wondering, you know, I was dealing with my anger, and things were getting better, and I wasn't as angry anymore, and I wasn't as explosive or yeah. or um, reactive, yeah. and then all of a sudden it started coming back a little bit, and then it started coming back a lot. Yeah. And I came to the realization that it came back because that was a lot of work she did. Yeah. And if somehow there was a behavior that I was displaying that was allowing or 
putting the progress at risk, Mm. I was getting real angry about it, whether it was because somebody wasn't following a boundary or because I was allowing, you know, the behavior to happen, however it was that it was being presented. Yeah. The point was the success that I've had for doing my own work, for accomplishing this much in the last 10 years is like, that's my biggest trophy on the wall. A hundred percent. You know? So I do not think in any which way, shape or form that it's conceded. Like that the whole Snoop Dogg thing, first and foremost, I'd like to thank myself. (laughs) Hell yeah. I'd like to thank myself. And I, I encourage my clients to, you know, to take ownership of that as well. I know, you know, I am sure you do as well. Clients are always like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And it's like, you're doing all the heavy lifting, you know, give yourself a pat on the back and anyone listening to this, who is, you know, going through a healing process, um, you know, who attributes their healing to anyone else aside from them, take a mirror and, and look into it because, you're the one that's doing the heavy lifting. You're the one that's doing all the work. And yes, the resources and stuff are being placed in front of you and are in your timeline, but it's you who's taking those opportunities. It's you who's doing the work. It's you who's reading the books. It's you who's doing the introspection. Um, no one can do that for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There are guides. Yeah. There are guides, you know, and I see them. I don't have to actually know them to tell you the honest truth. I see examples, whether it's on social media or whether it's through reading somebody's book. Like I have a whole, and I, and I released this in one of my uh, blog posts about, you know, my top five books of the season. And in there, I wrote, I have an entire bookshelf of authors who are my army. They have my back. Yeah. Do they know me? Absolutely not. But their words of wisdom that they put in that book that found themselves in front of my eyes. Yes. That that's part of my guiding team. That's part of my, you know what I mean? So I still have to do the work. So when we are, yeah, when we're at that point of sheer desperation, we're like, please fix me. (laughs) Cause I remember that. I remember that. Um, it's a matter of help yourself. Yeah. And we don't know that in the beginning because it's hard and, you know, it's hard to see, and all that other stuff, but, but. And we as practitioners would never say that to anyone, you know, no, I mean, there might be one or two people where we're just like, no, I'm just joking. But um, yeah, like we can say that now to ourselves and like, we understand that um, in saying that everyone needs a lifeline you know everyone needs that person in their life that practitioner that book um that podcast like everyone needs a life a life line or a life preserver where you just go and it just feels safe and it feels like a comforting space and that is completely different for everyone um but again like you know it's up to you to find that it's up to you um to trust yourself to be in space it's all you. It's all mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. And we say it all the time as practitioners. Like there are times where I'm like, I do enough of my own work. If I can, 
I've actually, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this remarkable tablet, but I have a remarkable tablet because I've gone through, I finally invested in it because I've gone mm-hmm. through so many notebooks that the environment hates me. So mm-hmm. I have decided to go digital. So okay. I, have a, I have a digital um, notebook that I use and I love the thing because I journal in it every single day. Um, and, and let me just get this straight. Is it actually called a remarkable notebook? It's called remarkable. Okay. And it's remarkable. And to anybody who's listening, um, if you go to my website in my resource uh, section, there is a link for $60 off. So, Oh, look at you little, just saying, are you a little influencer? Is that how you are doing this? Just saying. You are, you're a little influencer. So my point was that going back to my journaling and all the journaling that I do, there are times where I, what's the word I'm looking for? When you're so, you know, you, you got the blinders on and your focus is this way and you just, you need a practitioner to be like, okay, let me just take this right blinder off and let's see if anything comes into focus now and let me just take this blinder off so absolutely the 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 need for guidance and the need for help is totally totally there but the only way that this becomes sustainable change that is something that's going to propel you forward is for you to do the work I think the biggest thing um, that's probably scary for people Mm -hmm. is just the admission to yourself that I can't, it's the boat. It's the scariest yet also the most empowering is to be able to say to yourself, I don't have the tools to handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't do this by myself. And the three words that I myself struggled with all my life, I need help. Those three little words that, I just was never, ever, 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 ever going to say. Yeah. I remember when my parents did this little intervention on me, they came, they drove from Regina to Saskatoon and I had a little office space that I was working out of. This is when I co-owned um, a company called Couture Business Development with my trustee um, at the time, Susie. And my parents came down and like did this mini um, intervention for me. And I remember there being a point where like, I could have absolutely like lied and said the same story. Like I got this, I don't need your help. I can do this. Or I could um, like just release and surrender to the situation and say, yes, I can't do this by myself. I'm drowning in my own shit and I need support because I, I'm the type of person I don't like handouts. Yeah, I don't like how and I was viewing this as like a handout instead of it being like, uh, um, you know, and that was a lifeline that was like the universe saying like, hey, here's, here's a life preserver jacket, it's up to you if you want to put it on. And I had to admit, yeah, you know, ship me off someplace I need the help. Yeah, yeah. And that in itself, like, and like, I had an aha just there. Um, you definitely took another one of those blinders off in the way that I even look at that. But at the end of the day, 
it was still Candace who had to say, Oh yeah, I'm ready to find yeah. accept help. Yeah. Right. Cause it could have yeah. been Candace saying, no, I'm good. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, in other words is I'm not ready to do the work and yeah. that hundred percent. Yeah. We get that part, right? Like we understand there's definitely a lot of, um, understanding and compassion to that part for yeah oh yeah the- <laughs> everybody who's out there kind of in I'm going to say in that that balancing state of uh I think I need to but I'm not ready I think yeah. I need because I know that that kind of lasted me a while you know oh, that lasted yeah. me quite a while so I have a lot of empathy and a lot of grace for that state mm. that period yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in your life so with that being said, um, I, if, if you can turn back to when this all started and whether I, I, I guess I kind of think of the time of when I started my business, that's kind of like mm-hmm. my, when I started in coaching, cause I know, yeah. I know how I started this yeah, and then I know who, what it is today yeah, and what is it that you wish you had known then that you know now? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I think that it's still going to be a lot of work, it's, but it's going to be fun. Um, it's yeah. going to be different and it doesn't need to be perfect. Like I think for someone who, for me, like my ADHD was undiagnosed as a kid and then from that manifested um, an eating disorder. I had some OCD tendencies, rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, all these sort of labels. Um, But it it actualizes in this sort of like fear of making a mistake or not being seen as perfect. And, you know, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with putting stuff out there um, that, you know, like I'm not like 100% is like perfect, exactly what I wanted. Um, But that's, freaking nothing is like nothing is perfect nothing is and it and that's the flavor of me I guess um you know now I've sort of tried more and more to embrace my imperfections and sort of my quirks um but it is still for me a little bit of a tug of war sometimes when um when I'm not doing my self-care as much as I need to do then I find that voice creeps up a little bit more like you know who do you think you are doing Mm -hmm. this work or, you know, sort of that, um, you know, don't that you don't put that out there. Don't put that out there. That's that needs more editing or that needs more color or that needs this, that, or the other thing. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I think I would just have more fun, you know, (laughs) have more fun. It doesn't need to be perfect. Um, Nothing is perfect. And I guess a part of that is the infusion of, of yourself you know, cause like perfect is kind of friggin' boring. Yeah. Um, you know, no one, no one buys a book to read, um, you know, the, the fairy tale or the tale of someone getting everything handed to them, everything being perfect, them have never having to struggle in their lives story over, you know, like that's not a compelling story. No one's going to read that bullshit. Um, everyone loves the slumping in the mud. Everyone loves the trek up the mountain. Everyone loves the, um, you know, the fights with the dragons and the whatnot, like everyone loves a good, um, 
a good challenge and a good story that's got some highs and lows and everything in between. And so I think I just need to learn to embrace that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic point. I, for me, it's always a matter of like, when, as I was saying earlier, where it's like, I did all the things Mm. I was going to help all the people by wearing all the hats. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I got, you know, I went and did my aromatherapy and I'm an aromatherapist and I'm yeah. Uh, yeah. I have all the certificates. I have all the certifications that anybody in the wellness, except for yoga, I don't do yoga. I practiced it, but I didn't become the teacher, but I wanted to do it all. And I was going to go down to Peru for a month, you know, realistically with my three kids, you know, and uh, become a yoga master, right? Yeah. And I wanted to, I was going to be able to heal the world Mm. by becoming a master of all of these trades. Yes. That's a lot of responsibility. No, come on. Can't I do it? (laughs) Healing the world? Yeah. Healing the whole world. I I can let, like, where would your statue be? Would it be like the size, you know, in Mexico, like that Jesus statue? That's like super, would your statue replace that statue? Like where, where would your statue be? It might have been there or maybe it would have been beside him. Like, you know, Mm. some sort of like, maybe a high five or like an elbow. Yeah. Right. It would have been something like that. That's where I, uh, that's what I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Then I kind of had a bit of a wake up call and realized, Mm. and realized. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Okay. I I was not going to have a statue next to Jesus, unfortunately. So, I mean, that would be my definite what do I wish I had known then that I now know is you can't be a master of everything. And the only real way to do things successfully is one step at a time (laughs) and and not overstretch it. So that for me was definitely, you know, what would I have known or what did I wish I knew then that would be it. It would be the pace yourself motto be the tour, yeah. not the hair. And enjoying, you know, the journey and not trying to rush through it to get to like this end point, whatever that is going to be. And I struggle with that. I continuously have to remind myself, like, this is the journey, like you're in the journey right now. This is the piece that you are yeah. supposed to enjoy. So why don't you like, enjoy it? Enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and realize that you're ready to start doing the things now even if you're going oh. to do other things, yeah, you're ready to do the things now. Oh, are you telling me? Am I ready? No. I should, uh, okay. I'm telling myself. I'm convincing okay. myself every single day, just so you know. Okay. That well, I'm gonna, you just convinced me. It perfect. Was just like a little thing that I probably needed to hear today. So. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that it worked. I'm glad that it worked. Um, so what's your favorite quote? Well, there are multiple, but this one has carried me through um, and, and maybe sort of can explain my 
way of coping with things or my approach to things, but it's a quote by Candace Bushnell, who's the creator or the writer for the Sex in the Series, uh, Sex in the City series. And it says something along the lines of, um, even though the universe doesn't play fair, uh, it has one hell of a sense of humor. And I think for me, like life is not, life is not set up to be fair. Um, you know, it's just not, there are lots of unfair things that happen in the world, but I take comfort in knowing that some of the things that happen for me, not to me, for me, um, which, you know, eventually can have a comic spin on them that, you know, maybe someone upstairs is having a couple of giggles as well. Um, because anyone that knows me knows I somehow find myself in some pretty, awkward and interesting situations and circumstances when in the moment I might be you know my nervous system might be sort of going off but afterwards I can have you know a little bit of a laugh and I think I in a contractual agreement up in you know whatever dimension we came from up in heaven or wherever you know I think that was part and parcel to my experience here I was just like listen make it fun make it adventurous (laughs) Um, let's have some laughs at my expense and you know I I often say or often like say to myself like can I rewrite the contract is there you know where do I need to sign who do I need to talk to upstairs about changing the rules and regulations here but um you know I I wouldn't have it any other way and I think it'll eventually make for a decent I don't know more blog posts or a decent memoir um, I'll obviously have to change a lot of names not to get people in trouble, but um, yeah, I've done some, I've done some interesting things in my life. We'll just put it that way. Nice. Yeah. I could probably say a few times uh, over that. I, there are so many times where I look back and I'm like, I'm not even really sure how I'm still here. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I'm really not sure how I'm still here. I know that part of my saving grace was becoming a mother young yeah, because it was one of those things where this is no longer about you. And somehow that made sense in my head. Being yeah. being the people pleaser that I was, I guess, maybe that's what saved me is the fact that I had to all of a sudden it had to stop being about me in order for me to like, yeah, yeah, get my that act together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I guess I'm just putting light to that now and kind of being like, Oh, yeah, I guess I see that. I guess I see how that worked. Um. But uh, I, yeah, I, it's. Life is funny. Like life is interesting. It's, it's a, yeah, like life happens to you and, or no, life happens for you, not to you. And, and let me just say like when you're not doing the work and when you're in the, the deep, deep, shit again 1254 another stat time stamp for you um when you're in it deep you can't you can't see that you just can't recognize that and there yeah I made a lot of questionable questionable decisions in my life I've dated some questionable men in my life um bless them bless them but you weren't we were not healthy for each other yeah I just I did some things um you know out out of a place of like wanting to escape right and so you you can imagine that, you know, some of those things might have been, but yeah, I think I was trying to get out of my body instead of in it um, yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. Oh, that's again, another podcast episode altogether. 
being somebody who's dealt with different types of uh, trauma in her life, that trying to escape, and of course, watching yeah. all of the the series um, with Gabor Mate and and you know healing trauma and addiction was one of them, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the wisdom of trauma was another one, which again, amazing. It gives yeah. you an understanding as to a lot of the things that you used to feel guilt or shame for totally was only a method of trying to make you, it served you a purpose. And at the time it was a positive purpose. Oh yeah. At the time it, it served me. Um, and it served me well, again, not sustainable, but I think, I think once we start normalizing and understanding, um, well, maybe not normalizing, but understanding why people do what they do, we will approach um, mental health issues, addiction issues, all of that stuff um, very differently and with a lot more compassion because, you know, let me just say there, were, there wasn't a lot of difference between, I was, I was one or two decisions away from being a street person, you know, at different points in my oh, life, um, yeah. you know, like there was a point where I was homeless and I didn't have a place to stay. And I was in um, my girlfriend's rented house in the basement, which was trashed by the previous, um, the previous tenants. And I remember like, you know, I had, you know, come from a middle-class family and, you know, people who would know my extended family, you know, lots of money, lots of na- lots of names on buildings in this province. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I was an embarrassment or my parents were trying to like not deal with the situation, but I was not trying to expose myself and where I was at in life to anyone because of, you know, embarrassment. Right. Um, and so, you know, I remember like laying, cause I didn't even want to like, at that time, my OCD was also really bad. And I didn't even want to lay on the, like the mattress on the floor because it was so disgusting. I was like laying in like a Tupperware container of my clothes sleeping. I remember like being, thinking like, if this is what life is, nah, man, like I'm going to take it a hard no. I just want to exit. And, you know, I'm obviously glad I didn't and having, you know, suicide, um, you know, thoughts or ideolations. um, Obviously, if if that is you and and you're having those, please reach out for help. but it, it's scary when you get to that place. It's really, really, really scary. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people who we see walking down the street, going to work, and we have no idea what happens after five o'clock or we have no idea what their home life is. Right. We have no idea if they're going home or if they're in a shelter. Um, and so I think my own situation and what I've gone through has just made me realize um, you know, what you see isn't really necessarily all that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And I think it's, it's interesting because, um, a great example of that. Um, I mean, I was always throughout high school and all that stuff. I was always known as like, you know, I'm always laughing and joking around and I'm like, you know, good times girl. Um, and then later on in life with my first marriage, it's my only marriage. I still call it my first marriage though. I don't like calling him my ex-husband. I call him my first yeah, husband. That's fair. Because, you know, we like each other. So 
you know, it's interesting because it was one of those things of keeping face and always making sure that Mm -hmm. our, you know, our relationship looked like the most magical one there ever was. When people found out that we were separating, it was like, what? You guys are like, perfect. The optics. Yeah, well, we're not really. Um, I have my own issues to work on. (laughs) And let's just leave it at that. We need to separate. We're still going to be very amicable, which we are. We're like, uh, I will say it time and time again, we're better friends now than we were then. I think more so because I understand what it is to be a friend Mm. uh, with a partner. Yes. Because it's very, you know, the way you, the advice that you give your friends or the, um, the way that you console your friends is so different than the way you console yourself or your partner. Mm. And it's so weird to understand why we do it, but it, I read, it happened. A hundred percent. I read recently this post um, by the Gottman Institute and it says, if you can create a foundation of friendship with your partner first, yes, that will carry you through um, and help with any sort of repairs um, after rupture because you treat a friend differently just as you're saying you treat yeah. a friend differently and you react differently to someone who you have a friendship with as opposed to maybe someone who you just have like an infatuation love interest yada 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 but isn't that crazy it's insane to think about it's insane and I think it's kind of what it, I think it's the one of the dividing uh, differences with my partner right now like this is so bad to say, but he used to be my client. So back in the day before I knew him romantically, before we ever even looked at each other, that kind of way, he was my bookkeeping client. Like I took care of his, his paperwork. Mm. And um, after he found out that I had separated, things had kind of changed in a romantic way. And we were super nice to each other all the like first of all he's a super friendly guy he's he's like always out to like make people chuckle like he he loves small talk he's like he's just that that genuine like sweet guy he's a really nice guy that way so as a client i already you know it was very easy for me to get to know him that way because anytime he's coming in with paperwork and i'm looking through things there's always some sort of small talk going on and you know, you get to know a person, stuff like that. And we really did become friends before we became partners. And obviously nothing is perfect because I'd be lying to you if I said that we don't argue because we do. Um, But our comeback is completely different. Our comeback Mm -hmm. and our ability to hold hands and say, I understand that you're reacting because you just wanted to be heard. And I also just wanted to be heard. And we were both trying to be heard at the same time and it wasn't working. Yeah. So let's try this again. You go first, you know, and you, (laughs) you know, at some point, one of you guys have to kind of come up with your tail between your legs a little bit and be like, okay, it's your turn. I'm going to shut up. I promise. And stay true to it and pretend like you're talking to a friend, you know? So it, it's definitely been the the success of this relationship, 100%. Um, even if there are days where I, you know, want to put my tiny little hands around his tiny little neck, I, I could not 
be any more comfortable and could not feel any safer mm, in a relationship than I do right now. That's beautiful. So, yeah. Don't let him hear that or else he'll, it'll get to his head. I'm going to, I think I'm going <laughs> to edit that part out. So uh, moving forward, because that was way too much information. This I might is have, my cat now, just in case. She's you... ready to come in. She's ready to be like, it's my turn now. She wants to be interviewed. <laughs> so coming to our, I always love to, to ask. And, you know, sometimes this question ends up being touched way before I even ask, but it, it's kind of like my closeout question. Your biggest aha moment is fill in the blank. That's a hard one. I'm like also waiting for a big aha, aha moment. <laughs> no. Okay. Your biggest aha moment to date. I would say my, oh, my biggest, Jaja, don't eat the plastic. I would say my biggest aha moment. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, I think it was it probably advanced. I would say the most recent one that I can remember when I, when I figured out about the ADHD and that sort of became my niche market and the people that I wanted to serve because everything made so much more sense. Um, like the little things right from childhood through adolescence, through teenage, through my twenties just made so much more sense. It was like, I found a missing piece of the puzzle. Right. Um, and I had so much more to work with in terms of like where to go through or what to do now. Um, and I'm not anti-pharmacology at all, even though we are in the energy psychology world, um, which, you know, I think people often think this is woo-woo and, you know, we're very science-based individuals. We like um, right. research, we like results, we like being rooted in, in science. And, you know, for me to sort of experience ADHD medication for the first time and what, what that felt like and sort of... Um, having a new, I think, baseline for myself as to like, and that was my cat pushing over a chair. Anyways, when I'm not feeling this way, when I'm feeling less than this, um, you know, when my, when I'm, my nervous system is heightened, or when I'm feeling low energy, like sort of what that means for me, yeah. instead of, you know, going to like a shame place or a place of like, oh, obviously, there's something wrong with me, or I'm doing something wrong, knowing that, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I just have a sensitive nervous system and, you know, I need to do things differently. And the world isn't necessarily made, made up for neurodivergent individuals. Um, you know, we're taught to like, go, 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 be at maximum capacity at all times. And for me, that's just not, that's not possible. So I think, yeah, my aha moment was probably, yeah, getting that diagnosis and sort of moving, moving my life and adjusting uh, my life from there. It's, it's interesting that you say that, um, after your presentation. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure that if not everybody, a lot of people went and did the test, like the online questionnaire, yeah. um, because there are so many things that you were talking about that just kind of like, uh, were you watching yeah. my childhood or. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's one thing that you know, to this day, 
I think it triggers me a little bit more now than it ever did before because there's an understanding, but having, you know, being called hamster wheel, for example, because Mm. it took me a second to process things and not because I didn't know the answer. It was because quickly in my head, I was formulating how this could come out of my mouth yeah, in a way that you could understand. Yes. Yes. I understand that. Or in a way that didn't offend you or in a way that would still keep me in a safe place. So for example, it's going to come out of my mouth and you're not going to be able to use it against me later. Yeah. That was my entire life. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to call out (laughs) who it was that used to call me hamster wheel, but we can say it might've been a sibling. Mm. And to this day, it has, it, I now have the understanding of, oh, okay. Yeah. I see what people are talking about on the outside now. Yeah. Right. So it's, I, you know, I haven't gone and uh, spoken to anybody about it or booked any appointments or anything like that or been referred mainly because of all this COVID crap, like we're in Ontario. So there's still a lot of people you're not seeing. So I haven't gone to get any sort of diagnosis or anything like that, but it's definitely brought um, a different playing field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the sense of understanding and a whole different uh, leaf of compassion. Like even though I've already been growing my, you know, the compassion towards self through everything yeah. that I've been doing in the last few years, yeah. it just brought a little bit more understanding of, oh, when I have my periods of time where I can't get out of bed, yes, I need to rest. Yes. And I'm not, depressed per se. No. I may be in a bit of a funk at times, but it's like I just need to like there's so much that just happened in the last little bit or whatever the case may be that I really need to rest. I think one thing that is often not talked about um for women, especially who are neurodivergent, is like the amount that we actually have to mask um, and how we have to, especially if you have kids, how you really have to show up, like you constantly have to show up. Right. And that can be exhausting for a person who is neurodivergent. Um, it can right. be exhausting for a person who is neurodivergent and an introvert. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, allowing ourselves the, the grace um, and it not being a defect. And I think I said this often in the presentation, it not being, you know, we're pivoting from calling it a disorder to calling it what it is. Or even a disability. Um, like it was I, just, you know, yeah. All the, the terms that we've heard in the past of, you know, it equaling bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And the definition um, in 1912, it being like a, a moral defect of, of um, you know, human behavior. It's like, no, it's, it's actually not a human um, it's not a moral defect of, of human behavior. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that at all. And so I think that compassion piece is, is big and listening to your body. It yeah. for me has become, you know, a big thing. It's like the body knows when it needs to rest and, you know, who am I to say no to my body when it does so many amazing and great things for me? Well, 
Candace, I want to thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today because I know yes. you are super busy doing super important things with super important people. I I honestly I I love our community and everything that we do and I just if I can help one person connect in not necessarily only the EFT world but in the sense of um, wellness and self-help yeah. and all that other stuff, uh, connect with one person that might be able to help them, then I've done my job because like I've said to many, many other people, I don't want to be the person who ruins EFT for somebody. Mm -hmm. if they don't connect with the way that I operate. Yeah. So, with that being said, I want to know, um, are there any things that you're doing right now that you want to be offering workshops, courses, one-on-one -on -one sessions. What are you doing? How can the people reach you? They can connect with me on my website. So www.candacefox.com. And I'm just in the process of getting um, some free webinars up. And then from there, I'll be doing some um, paid workshops. And then I'm prepping a course for neurodivergent people, folk. Wow. So, uh, so if you have ADHD or autism or anything like that, please stay tuned because I will have some fun programs and offerings coming up where you will get gifted with me for a couple of weeks and, you know, say it what you really, will, but I can be fun sometimes. It really is a gift. Uh, to anybody who hasn't been able to work with Candace in any way, shape, or form, you're missing out, just so you guys all know. Oh, thank you. And ditto oh, to you, my friend. Thank you. I will have all of your connections, of course, linked in, in my um, description of the podcast. So anybody who's looking for her, you're either going to look in the description or you're going to go onto my Instagram and look for her that way because we're always connected. And I'll Beautiful. be sharing all of the information that way. And do you have like a newsletter thing that you're doing? How can people get informed when these things are um, released? Yeah, just reach out to me and I can put you on my email blast list or my hit list, as I like to call it. Um, and I will connect. And also on, it'll be all over my social media. So if you follow me, I'll be making announcements and keeping everyone up to date that way. Beautiful. I love it. I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm super excited. And I know that there's a few people who have already showed interest because just after you did your uh, project presentation, I was like, oh my gosh, she's doing important things with important people. And she's not going to uh, Yeah. I'm happy to be in this community and be connected with you and, and everyone else. Cause I think we're all doing amazing and fun things. So it's just nice to see what everyone is doing so that you know, I can refer and be on fun things like this, like your podcast, which is amazing. And congratulations on doing that. Thank you. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for having me on. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. So thank you. Thank you. I would like to thank you all so much for listening to the podcast today. And of course, a very special thank you to my guest, Candace Fox, not only for sharing your story and your journey with us, but also for being such a treasured friend to me. It means everything. You have no idea. 
thank you all for the time that you've given me. I know that I can never give it back. So I appreciate you sharing it here with me today. I'd love you all to have a fantastic rest of your day. Be safe. Find your freedom. Chat soon.